ask you to take out your Bibles with me. Turn to Romans chapter 10, if you will. Romans chapter 10, the word of the Lord to us today comes from Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17, where we see God, through Paul, speak of the evangelism of the church. Romans 10, 13 through 17. What can we take away from this passage on evangelism? Now, I have a confession to make. I hope this encourages you, but evangelism does not come easy for me. And I'm the preacher. Evangelism doesn't come easy for me. When I was growing up, I was so shy, I would cry every time I was near someone I didn't know. And the Lord in His infinite humor saw fit to make me a minister, right? But I'm naturally very introverted. And evangelism, speaking about the truth of the gospel, especially when it comes to speaking to people that I don't know very well, it doesn't come naturally for me. But the encouragement I hope to give to you through that is, just because it doesn't come easy for me, does not mean it's not part of my responsibility. It's my responsibility as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Now, it should come easy for me, right? It should. Evangelism should come very easy for me. How easy is it for any of us to see a movie that is perhaps the best movie we've seen in a long time and just to tell all kinds of people about it? How easy is it for us to talk about uh, an amazing sports game that happened the night before, and to just tell everybody about what happened. We tell people about what we're excited about. If our kids or our grandkids do something that we're proud of, we're going to tell so many people we're going to be annoying. And yet when it comes to the gospel, it does not come very easy for us. It's true, I believe it when we sing, He's done so much for me. I cannot tell at all. That is true. I cannot tell everything that the Lord has done for me. He has done so much for me. And yet, I've got to be honest with you. Personal evangelism does not come easy for me. And so, if it doesn't come easy for you, I hope to encourage you this morning that you're, you're not alone. And you're not some kind of second-rate Christian because of that. You're experiencing something that many of us experience, and yet this is why we constantly need to come together and pump ourselves up to do this job that we've all been assigned by our Savior, to take this good news to the world. Because if they don't hear it, they perish. If they don't hear it, they will not be saved. If we don't tell people, then those around us who don't know Jesus will walk comfortably to hell. We've got to do this. We have to. And so, I hope to encourage you from God's Word today. Let's read Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13. I'll read down to verse 17. This is one of the great passages on evangelism in Scripture. Paul writes, "...for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now a couple things that I want us to take away from this passage this morning, and here's the first. If you are a believer this morning, if you are a follower of Christ... If you are a Christian, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. Now, notice when it says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? Verse 15. How are they to preach unless they are sent? And when we hear language like that, we typically think of missionaries, do we not? We think of those who have given their lives to full-time mission work. Someone who devotes their whole life to living in a land that is not their home and proclaiming the gospel to a people group who desperately need it. And friends, I'm here to tell you, everything I just said applies to you, if you're a Christian. You are living in a place that is not your home. And you have been sent to proclaim a message to people who desperately need it. You are a missionary. If you are a follower of Christ this morning, it does not matter if you have decided to sell your possessions and move to a country where you do not know the language, you are still a missionary. You are strangers and aliens in this world. If you are following Christ, He has called you to give your whole life in service of His kingdom. He has called you to live for His mission in the place where you are planted. Jesus has called you to live for His mission in the place where you are planted. You are a missionary sent out by God and by the church into his mission field, into this mission field. You are sent out by God, but you are also sent out by Columbia Christian Church or whatever church you might be a part of. We are sending you out. If you are a member of this church, you are being sent out as missionaries. If you didn't know this before this morning, now you know. Now you're responsible. Now it's on you. You are being sent out by Columbia Christian Church as missionaries to Adair County. We are sending you out if you are a member of this church. You are sent. You have our backing. We're going to back you up. If the time comes where any one of us gets persecuted or thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, the church is going to back you up. The church is going to be there for you and for your family. You have our resources. If someone comes to me tomorrow and says, John, I have a great idea to reach the people of Adair County for Jesus. All I need is money and people. Well, I'm here to tell you, we're going to get behind that as a church. Now, this doesn't mean every single idea that every person has is automatically going to be you know, accepted and backed by the elders of this church. But we are on a mission to reach people for Christ, to reach people that do not know Jesus. And if someone in our midst says, hey, I've got an idea on how to do this more effectively. I just need some money. You have our resources. We are backing you up. You are sent out. We are sending you out. And you continually have our training. As sent out missionaries, you continually have our training. We come in here on Sunday mornings to Sunday school and to worship. 
the, the wor corporate worship service. We come in here on Wednesday evenings. We, we teach each other one-on-one. -on -one. We come in here and we get trained and then we are sent back out. And we're constantly coming back for more training and constantly sending back out. You are a missionary. Christian, you are a missionary. The church's best strategy for reaching the world for Christ is not programs. It's not programs. It's not another evangelistic program. I'm here to tell you, we want to do everything, every single thing we can to reach the people of Adair County for Christ. Okay, whatever it takes. I don't care if it's a program. I don't care if it's uh, one person. I don't care if it's anything. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes to reach the world for Christ. But the most effective strategy for the church to reach the world for Christ is not church programs. What it is, is each and every member reaching out to those that they rub shoulders with every day. That is the best evangelism strategy any church has ever come up with. Each and every individual believer reaching out to those that they rub shoulders with every day and talking to them about Jesus because they care about them. That's our strategy. That's our program. That's how we're going to reach the world. That's how we're going to reach people for Christ. How are more people going to become Christians? You're going to reach them. You're going to talk to them about Jesus. You rub shoulders with them all the time. At my previous church, we were having a conversation about outreach one time. And someone said, how can we get into the schools? How can we get into the local government? How can we get into the hospitals? How can we get into the workplaces? And someone piped up and says, guys, we're already there. We're already there. We've got all kinds of people in all of these places. We've got people who work in the hospitals and work in local government and work in the schools. We're already there. We've just got to take the gospel when we're there. We've got to start talking to people about Jesus when we're there. We've already infiltrated all kinds of different places in this community. We've just got to give them the gospel. Missionaries take the gospel to places that don't have it, right? When we think of missionaries... We think of taking the gospel to a place that doesn't have it. Often we think about third world countries and unreached people groups. We're taking the gospel to a place that doesn't have it. In verse 14, you'll see where it says, How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Okay, if they never hear, how are they going to believe, right? It makes total sense. We've got to get the gospel to people. That's why we want to get the gospel out there, so that people can be saved. Missionaries typically take the gospel to places that don't have it, or at least we often think about them like that. But did you know, did you know that today many Americans have not heard the gospel? You know that? There's a lot of people in America today who have not heard the gospel. It is entirely possible in America today to grow up having never heard the true gospel. Yeah, they, they might know who Jesus is and have a vague idea about you know, what, what he did and what he lived for. They, they might know the concept of God. They might say, yeah, there's a church down the street from where I live. I never go there, but there's a church over there. But it's entirely possible for people to grow up in America today having never heard the gospel. There are people in America today who have not heard the gospel. Think about this. Many people think the way that you get to heaven is by being a good person. My friends, that's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. That's not the Jesus of the gospel. The Jesus that helps you be a good person so God grants you salvation because you earned it. Right? That's not the gospel. 
There are so many people out there, even amongst us, who do not yet know what the real gospel is. If I come up to you and I tell you, hey, you can get to heaven if you're just good enough, maybe you might be good enough to be saved. That's not good news at all. That's what the gospel means. The word gospel means good news. That's not good news. The good news is you can't be good enough. You can only be saved by grace through faith in Christ, through the one who's already accomplished everything on your behalf. You can have forgiveness of sins. And so people need us to tell them the good news. They need you as missionaries to tell them the good news. Right? If I am speaking to someone, let's say tomorrow, and let's say just for hypothetical sake, let's say I'm not going to see this person ever again. And so I don't have any chance to follow up with them. Maybe they're, they're from out of town, they're only stopping through. Right? And I get the chance to share the gospel with them. What would I say? What would you say? What would you say if you had one shot to share the gospel with someone? Well, here's, here's what I would do. Here's what I would say. God created everything, including every single one of us. And yet the first people that he created rebelled against his good commands and his love and sinned against him. And when they sinned, sin came into the world and affected and infected everyone and everything. And so all of us sin. And that person that I'm talking with, they're going to track with that. They know what sin is. Everyone in their heart knows what sin is. We all sin. Every single one of us. And yet God, in his love for us, came to earth as a man, Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And he died on the cross. And when he was on the cross, God the Father was punishing him for my sins and for your sins. Punishing him for the sins of the world, even though he never did one thing wrong. He took our sins upon him and he died. Three days later, he rose to life, proclaiming that he was who he said he was. And now anyone who puts their faith and their trust in him and repents of their sins, and turns away from themselves and toward God, and is baptized into Jesus' name, can have their sins forgiven. You can be reconciled with God. Our sins separate us from God, but you can be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. You can be at peace with Him, and you can have eternal life. You can know that when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Christ, and not in hell. This is the gospel. Now, you might have said it a little bit different than I did right there. You might have said it a little bit more, uh, you know, abbreviated than I said it right there. That might have been a long way around it, but that's the gist of what I would tell people. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got to take this to the world. There are people out there who don't know that. They don't know it. They think getting to heaven means being a good person. And so the first thing I want us to see from this passage here is you are a missionary whether you've ever thought of yourself as one or not, if you are a Christian, you are a missionary, and you are sent out into this mission field to take the gospel to those who need it. But next, you're not just a missionary, you're a preacher. You're a preacher. Yeah, I'm a preacher, but you're a preacher. If you're a Christian, you are a preacher. Look at verse 14. In verse 14, at the end, it says, How are they to hear without someone preaching. Now, the word here for preaching is not describing someone who stands up in front of the congregation once a week and gives the weekly message. 
That's not the word for preaching here. The word for preaching right here is the word for proclaiming. Proclaim. It's the word they would use for a town crier or a herald who would stand up in a public place and say, Hear ye, hear ye. And he would bring news from a neighboring town or from the king to his subjects. And it's a word that applies to every single one of us if you are a Christ follower today. God is calling you to proclaim the good news to those around you, to preach it. You are a preacher. Every single person who says that they are willing to follow Christ is signing up for this job. If you said you're willing to follow Christ, you signed up for this. You're a preacher. It's your task now. It's your responsibility. Evangelism is not something that ministers do. You don't hire an evangelist to do your evangelism for you. No, every single one of us is called to take this good news to our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and the lost souls of this world. I said it doesn't come easy for me, but that doesn't give me an excuse to not do it, right? Just because evangelism might not be your gift, just because you might be an introvert, doesn't mean this is not your responsibility as well. Every single one of us is a preacher. It's a job that God gave us. There's a, a saying that we often like to use when it comes to evangelism, often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi or maybe somebody else. But here's the saying. It, it goes like this. Preach the gospel when necessary, use words. You ever heard that? Preach the gospel when necessary, use words. You know why we love that phrase? You know why we love it? Because it gives us an excuse not to share the gospel with words. We love that phrase because it gives us an excuse not to talk about Jesus. The message of the gospel requires words. You can't preach the gospel without words. It requires it. It's like saying, cook dinner for your family. When necessary, use food. Well, that'd be every time. Okay? You have to use words when you share the gospel. Yes, God wants you to live such a godly, holy life of love that people will see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. Yes, that's true. Yes, God wants us to have such a radical community of gospel love in here that people look at it from the outside and say, I want to be a part of that. Yes, that's true. But at some point... If that person is going to be brought to saving faith in Jesus, they're going to have to hear the words of the good news of Christ. You cannot be saved without hearing the words of the good news of Jesus. It has to be proclaimed with words. It's a message that the world cannot get apart from the word and those who take the word out. They cannot get it just by looking at someone and saying, that's a nice person person. It has to be words. Look at verse 17. In verse 17, Paul tells us, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So we're going to have to take the gospel, the words of the gospel, out to people, and we're going to have to talk to them about this good news. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, one of the big implications of this verse 17 right here is that you never know what can happen if you can just get people to hear God's word. You never know what can happen if you can just get people to hear it. 
to hear God's Word. And so when you are sharing the Gospel, use Bible verses. Use a Bible verse when you share the Gospel. One of the most effective verses you could ever use to share the Gospel is also one of the most simple, Romans 6.23. What's it say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a perfect verse for sharing the Gospel. Right? You give them that verse, perhaps you memorize it so that you can share it whenever the opportunity comes, because we don't know when the next opportunity is going to come. But think about that verse. You can explain the gospel with that verse. Wages and gift. You can contrast those two. Right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Wages is something that we are owed, something that we have earned. All right? So God owes us death. We have earned death. But salvation is a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's a free gift, right? You've got that right there in Romans 6.23. You've got sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, sin separates us from God. Sin causes death, which will ultimately forever separate us from God. And you've got the gift of God is eternal life. Death and life right there in that verse. Where are you going to spend eternity? Eternal death eternal life. And finally, at the very end of the verse, the only way to get eternal life, Jesus Christ our Lord. You've got the whole gospel right there in Romans 6.23. You might use 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange, as Martin Luther used to call it. God made him who had no sin, Jesus. He had no sin, but he, he became sin for us on the cross. He took on our sins. God punished him on the cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus gets what he doesn't deserve so we can get what we do not deserve. That's the gospel, right? Or John 3.16. But you never know what can happen if you get people to hear the words of God because there's a power in the words of God that aren't even in our own words, right? There's a power in this word that we don't even carry in our own everyday words. And so use Bible verses when you share the gospel. Perhaps ask someone to meet with you once a week and to read through something like the gospel of Mark. That's a great way to share the gospel where the pressure is off you. Say, hey, would you be willing to meet with me just once a week and just, just to read Mark, the book of Mark with me, and, and let's talk about it. And in that way, you let the word do the heavy lifting, and you let the Word do its work in their heart. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says He sends out His Word, and He says, it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish the purposes for which I sent it. Because this Word has power. You never know what can happen when people can just hear the Word of God. It starts doing a work on their heart. Hebrews tells us this Word is living and active. It pierces us. It's like a knife that cuts back at you when you're using it, right? If someone can just hear the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Another implication of this, it's good evangelism to invite people to church. It's good evangelism to invite people to church because when they get here, they're going to hear the words of God. I guarantee you, I promise you, even if it's not me up here in this pulpit, whoever is up here is going to be proclaiming the words of God and reading aloud 
the words of God. And so if you invite an unbeliever here, they will hear the Bible. And you never know what can happen because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so you are a missionary, according to this passage, and you are a preacher, according to this passage, and you are being sent out by us and by God to this world to proclaim the gospel. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how shy you are or how extroverted you are. Every single one of you, if you are a Christian, is charged by God with taking the good news to those who need it. Now, let me give you some practical suggestions for evangelism here. Let me end with this. Practical suggestions for evangelism. Number one is this. Be intentional. All right? Be intentional. Evangelism doesn't just fall in your lap. Be intentional. We're intentional about so many things in this world, are we not? There are so many things in our everyday life that we are intentional about. And I'm going to be intentional about, I don't know, working with my kids on sports. I'm going to be intentional about making my my body be in shape. I'm going to be intentional about what I eat. I'm going to be intentional about fill in the blank. Of all the important things that we could be intentional about, what could be more important? Be intentional about evangelism. Plan for it. Find ways to rub shoulders with people who need Jesus. How many of you find it hard when you start thinking about, well, who that I rub shoulders with every day am I going to share the gospel with? Now, some of you find it really easy. Some of you, you're like, there's plenty of people in my work or whatever. But some of us, some of us might find it hard. And some of us might sit here and have to actually think and be intentional about how can I get myself around people who need Jesus? I mean, I'm a minister. I'm around Christians like all the time. I'm going to get away from you guys sometime. Get out among these people who need Jesus, right? So find ways to rub shoulders with people who need Jesus. One of the ways you can do that, become a regular at a restaurant. Become a regular at a restaurant. Be conversational when you're there. Don't just come to eat, but be a regular. They know who you are. Like, make it your goal to not have to order when you come. Be a regular at a restaurant, and pretty soon people are going to start talking to you. The servers, the other people who are there, you're going to rub shoulders with people. Or maybe it's the gym for you. Maybe it's the the barber shop. All right? Um, I, I heard of a man who shares the gospel with his barber until that barber becomes a Christian, and then he tells his barber, hey, sorry, don't want this to sound wrong, but you can't cut my hair anymore because I need to go find a barber who's not a Christian now and help them come to Christ, right? But figure out a place where you can become a regular. If it's not a restaurant, it can be somewhere else, right? Volunteer to coach your kids' sports team. How often are you going to get the chance of people bringing you their kids? So not only do you have a chance to influence the kids, you have a chance to influence the parents, and they're coming to you. It's easy, right? Now, the the coaching little kids might not be as easy, but that's worth it to share the gospel, right? Meet with a Christian friend to study the Bible in a public place, right? Meet with another Christian friend, right? For instance, this is two people who are Christians, so you might not be sharing the gospel with each other because neither of you are, are not saved, but do it in a public place, Meet with a Christian friend to study the Bible in a, a restaurant or something like that, and people are going to overhear you talking about Jesus. Don't underestimate the power of this. The current head of the Moscow Evangelical Seminary in Moscow, Russia, became a Christian because he used to be a KGB officer, and he was spying on missionaries 
and he was listening to them. They didn't know he was doing this, but he was listening to them talk about Jesus, and that's how he became a Christian, spying on missionaries. And now he runs a seminary. John Bunyan, the author of the Christian classic Pilgrim's Progress, became a Christian after overhearing a group of ladies talking to one another about Jesus and what he had done for them. And so have spiritual conversations, have conversations about the Bible in a public place where people can't get away, where they've got to sit there and just listen to you and overhear it. Find a need in the community and get some people together and go meet that need for free. Remember, we've got your backing, right? You've got our resources. Find a need in the community and get some people together and go meet that need for free. Before Christmas, some of our ladies in our Women of Faith group went over to Walmart and wrapped up people's Christmas presents for free. Right? And people would stop and they would say, uh, how much does this cost? And they would say, it doesn't cost anything. And then they would be like, well, why are you guys doing this? Open door. Here's an open door to, to just share the gospel, right? What a wonderful service idea and a way to, to get people talking about spiritual things. Find a need in the community and go, go meet it for free. Pray and ask God to bring you people that need to hear the gospel. This is a big one. Would you start praying in the morning and ask God to send you someone who needs to hear about Jesus? What could happen? I guarantee you that prayer is a prayer that falls in line with the will of God. What could happen if you started praying that prayer every day? God, send me someone who needs to hear about Jesus today. and Give me the courage to tell them. Realize you already have a mission field, right? You're a missionary. You've already got a mission field, whether it's your job or your family or your neighborhood or your town. Okay, one man in our church, I'm not going to name names, but one man in our church has a job that causes him to rub shoulders with lots of different kinds of people, and he's constantly on the lookout to see how he can turn those conversations to Jesus, right? His job is a mission field, right? When we had our revival last year, we had Terry Shelley come and preach to us. And Terry works at an elementary school out in Burksville. And Terry uses his job to bring the gospel to the people that he rubs shoulders with every day. Kids and teachers and faculty and everybody. Right? But as we conclude this morning, I'm going to ask you to remember three different passages of Scripture. Three different passages of Scripture that I pray are going to spur on your evangelism. Number one, Remember Luke 9.26. Remember when Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. If that doesn't hit you right in the gut, I don't know what will. Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory. A few years ago, um, Penn Gillette, who is one of the, the, the two magicians in Penn and Teller, you know, he's the, the tall guy with the ponytail. Well, he's a staunch, staunch, staunch atheist. I mean, very vocal about it. But he put out a video, and you can find this video on, online. He put out a video where he started saying, essentially that he didn't respect people who don't proselytize, people who don't evangelize, people who don't try to convince other people to join their religion, especially Christians. 
Because he says, if you have the only way to be saved, if you have the good news of the only way to be saved, if you have the only way for people to avoid eternal punishment in hell, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them that? This is, now, this is coming from an atheist, okay? He says, I don't get it at all. How much would you have to hate somebody not to tell them that? He says, if I saw you out in the middle of the street and a, a Mack truck was bearing down on you and I had the opportunity to yell at you to get out of the way and I didn't do it, or if I had the opportunity to tackle you and get you out of the way and I didn't do that, how hateful would that be? What would people think of me? And yet there are all these people who call themselves Christians who, who say that they believe they have the only way to escape eternal torment in hell, and they don't tell people about that? He didn't understand that at all as an atheist, and that makes total sense. Now, not only Luke 9, 26, but remember Matthew 16, 18. Remember Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus says, I will build my church. When you go out and you take the gospel to people, the pressure is not on you. All right? Success in evangelism is not getting people converted. It's being obedient to sharing the good news. And then whatever happens in that person's heart is up to God. You cannot save people. God saves people. You cannot open someone's heart. God opens hearts. God has seen fit to condescend to use little old me and you to help him do his work and to, for us to partner with him in his purposes. And what an amazing privilege that is. But the pressure is not on you to close the sale, so to speak. Obedience and success in evangelism is simply proclaiming it. Get the good news out there. And then whatever happens between that person and God is up to them. You cannot change hearts. You cannot save people. And I guarantee you, people will be saved whether you share the gospel or not. People will be saved. Jesus says, I will build my church. I will. The gates of hell will not overcome it. People will be saved. But you can be a part of this. You can be used by God for God to save other people. You can be a tool in His hands. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be that? And then finally, remember Revelation 14. Revelation 14, starting in verse 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. Remember that, because that's what's at stake here. It's not pleasant, but you need to think about hell. You need to spend time thinking about hell and how horrible it is. You need to let yourself feel this. Go there in your mind. Let yourself feel the weight of how horrible hell will be. 
for those people who end up there. Every person that you rub shoulders with every day is going to, going to spend eternity in one of two places. And the only way for them to not experience that is for them to give their life to Jesus. It's the only way. And the only way they will do that is if they hear the good news. So think about your friends. Think about your family members. Think about your coworkers who don't know Jesus. And think about what an awful place hell will be with no rest, no second chance, forever and ever, no end. Think about that. And let it motivate you. Let it burden you to evangelism. Let it bring you to the place that it brought David, where he said in the Old Testament in Psalms, he wept tears because people did not obey God's law. Let it bring you to the point of Paul in Romans 9, in the early verses where he said he had unceasing anguish and sorrow over the fact that his brothers, the Jews, would not be saved if they did not put their faith in Jesus. Get yourself to the point to where you are dying for people to know this good news. Don't ever forget it. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would create this burden in our hearts. I pray that you would give us such a desire and a burden and an anguish in our soul for lost people to know Jesus, especially the people that we know I pray that you would give us such a sense of gratitude for what you have done for us. Help us to see the glory of everything you have done for us in Christ so that we could not help but share it with others. Help us to love people so much that we would be willing to risk an awkward conversation because it's far riskier the risk that they are putting themselves at for eternity. God, please pierce our souls with this this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.